And so I went through a, several different um, possibilities this week of what to um, teach on. And then um, I got a text um, from Don Sherwood, um, and he sent me a little saying, and um, it kind of tri- it kind of inspired the message today. Um, and so um, I titled this "Stairway to Heaven, Highway to Hell." Um, and you know, I'm sure um, some people's first thoughts go to two songs. Um, there is a song called Stairway to Heaven. There's a song that's um, Highway to Hell. Um, I don't really remember Stairway to Heaven, but don't listen to Highway to Hell. <laughs> um, it's not a good song. Of course, hell's not a good thing. Um, but it got me thinking, and it got me thinking of the concept um, of that saying that basically is saying, you know, why is the highway to hell so um, crowded versus the stairway to heaven is um, is not. And so I wanted to go kind of contrast that and um, just go through it. And so the first thing when I thought um, stairway to heaven with scripture is um, Jacob. Jacob and the Jacob's ladder. And so um, the word ladder um, in the Hebrew is I I'm just going to pronounce it Englishy. Um, <laughs> Sulam. Um, S U L L A with a dash over it. M. I forget what that's called. Um, but its root is to elevate. So the root word for salam in the Hebrew is it's to elevate. Um, and so that word is in Genesis 28:12. But we're going to start back in Genesis 28:10. And so it says, Now Jacob went out from Beersheba and went towards Haran. And so he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and put it as his, at his head, and he laid down in that place to sleep. I don't know if a rock is too good of a pillow, but uh, that's what Jacob used that day. And maybe that's why he dreamed. But, but God had a purpose and gave him this dream. Then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on earth, and its top reached to heaven. And there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord above it and said, okay, so before we get into what the Lord says, kind of picture the setup here. So we have a ladder going up to heaven. We have angels um, ascending and descending on it. And then the Lord stood above it. Uh, What a I mean, what a picture that is. Uh, just can't imagine um, just the the glory, the the wondrous scene that this would be. 
And so the Lord says, verse 13, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. So again, uh, another profession of the Abrahamic covenant that that land would um, one day be, would be Israel's, would be theirs. And so your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth, you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. And in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And boy, are we. I mean, the Lord set apart Isaac and his descendants, the Israelites, that they would be um, a particular nation, one set apart for the Lord as an example for all and through them one would come in your seed all the families of the earth shall be less and that singular seed being Jesus Christ the Messiah verse 15 behold I am with you and I will keep you wherever you go and you and will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I've done what I have spoken to you so Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place? That's just a cool saying. How I mean, just he must have just been awestruck, just, uh, um, just um, in amazement and wonderment what he just saw. How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God, he called it. And this is the gate of heaven. Then Jacob rose early in the morning and took the stone that he had put on his head, set it up as a pillar, and poured oil on top of it, so anointing it, setting it apart for God. And he called the place, the name of this place, Bethel, but the name of the city had been Luz before, previously. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and keep me in this way that I am going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on so that I come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And the stone which I have set as a pillar shall be God's house. And of all you give me, I will sure you give you a tent to you. And so an example of an offering of um, 10%, that 10 um, and, you know, provision, asking God for our daily bread, um, that the Lord would provide for us. As I prayed earlier, you know, that the provision for our fellowship, for our, the ministries that go forth, that we can continue to be online, to be on the radio, to everything that goes on on our property in this building um, you know thinking about Wednesday nights and the families that come there the Sunday school that's even going on right now um, you know just praying for God to work and um, I was we were talking earlier I was talking with um, Rich and Nancy before service and we were just talking about how awesome it would be to have you know new families to have to have young families um, come 
and to be able to you know regularly use our nursery and classrooms and um, how awesome that would be and that's been my prayer and will continue to be my prayer that God would use us to reach out and that we would be able to bring up another generation um, we have a lot of teenagers um, we need we would love to have that you know that younger generation even the teenagers come and be raised up in the Lord um, you know be, before uh, little Ezra the I, I'm pretty sure my son who's 13 now was the last um, one to use that nursery regularly pretty much um, and so you know let us dream I pray that the Lord would give us a dream like Jacob and show us um, what he has for us and so um, that the Lord would provide and as I prayed earlier not only for this place but for each of us for each of our families um, in, in all the ways that we need and so we see here this Jacob's ladder this in other versions of the Bible they, they, they instead of ladder they use staircase um, and so um, we can picture that, that stairway to heaven um, but the Hebrew really points to um, a ladder as, as I studied this and I looked at um, the, he, the Hebrew and I, I'm not an expert I was relying on others who um, knew it and um, it was an interesting look at that um, that word that Solomon um, that word for the ladder in Hebrew um, it's interesting that the Hebrew letters are from what I was kind of gathering are almost like pictures and they um, they they tell a story and so this the story really is about and it's all, all about Jesus this one Bible that we had that I'm sure we still have it but it was for young kids and at the end of every story it pointed out um, that about Jesus, something about Jesus from the story. And so we go to John 1:51, and we kind of a, see a parallel passage to this about this ladder and about ascending and descending. John 1:51 tells us, and he said to him, Jesus, being Jesus, so Jesus said to them, most assuredly I say to you, hereafter, you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. I mean, you can see a parallel here. Um, they were ascend, the angels were ascending and descending on Jacob's ladder, but we have here them ascending and descending upon the Son of God. Jesus is our way to heaven. He is truly that way. That there is that only one way. The, the world tries to tell us 
and gets people caught up in many ways, in their own ways. Yet, God declares that he is the only way, that Jesus is the only way. I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me, in John 10. And so man's way is kind of laid out for us in the tale of Babel, Genesis 11, 1 through 9. Now the whole earth had one language and one speech, and it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. Then they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They had brick for stone and asphalt for mortar. And they came, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make our name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. What did God tell them to do? To spread and scatter all over the whole earth. But they didn't listen. They wanted to do their own desires. They wanted to, in a sense, get to heaven on their own. That they could build, you know, what's the arrogance of man? That we would say, let's build a tower that goes to heaven. Let's get to heaven by our own work. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the Son of Man had built. And the Lord said, Indeed, the people are one. They all have one language, and that is what they begin to do. Now nothing that they purpose will be withheld from them. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of the earth, and they ceased building the city. Therefore its name is called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the earth. And from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of all the earth. And so man's ways is to do it themselves. It's, it's you know, pride, it's selfishness, it's, it's we can do it, opposite of of God's ways, um, you know, it's let us make let us make a name for ourselves. That's, you know, that's selfish. That's us. That's self-centered, prideful. Um, what is, as believers in Jesus Christ, what is our goal? To make a name for Him, to make a name for Jesus, for God, over all the earth, not of ourselves. And just a, a peek into heaven from Acts 7, 54 through 60. This is Stephen at the end of his great sermon, his challenging sermon to the religious leaders as he stands accused. It says, the leaders, when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed at him with their teeth. So they did not take the rebuke well, but they would come after him. But Stephen, what a beautiful picture this is. But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God 
And Jesus is standing at the right hand of God and said, Look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears and ran at him with one accord. They cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the face, feet of a young man named Saul. And they stoned Stephen, and he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. And so the scripture tells us to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. And, you know, as Jacob saw, you know, kind of a picture of the Lord at the top of the ladder, um, we have Stephen um, seeing a similar scene here. He saw, he gazed into heaven, full of the Holy Spirit, saw the glory of God, and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Um, he declared it, but they were so angry and, you know, upset. And how dare Stephen bring this to them that they had no concept of what was truly going on there. They didn't have the Holy Spirit. They didn't have that vision of heaven. But they... Of course, they ran after Stephen. They threw him out of the city and killed him with stones. But again, a reminder of of someone who is following Jesus, because he, as the Lord said, you know, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Stephen says, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And he fell asleep. He went to be with the Lord. So oftentimes at the top of a stairway, there's a door. And Revelation chapter 4 talks about the door. In Revelation 4, 1 to 11, it says, After these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, Come up here, and I will show you these things which must take place after this. Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne sat in heaven. And the one sat on the throne. And he who sat there was like a jar, jasper and a sardis stone in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne, in appearance like an emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones. And on the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting, clothed in white robes. And they had crowns of gold on their heads. And from the throne proceeded lightning, thunderings, and voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was a sea of glass like crystal. And in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures, fulls of eyes in front and in back. The living, first living creature was like a lion, the second creature like a calf. The third living creature had a face like a man. And the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within, and they do not rest day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, 
who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. And so, as John looked up, behold, a door standing open in heaven. And so he heard that voice call him, and he went into this heavenly scene. And what a scene it is. Um, one of my favorite passages of scriptures. Um, I'm not an artist, but it would be cool for somebody to take this, and somebody probably has, um, but to take this word picture that we have in scripture in Revelation 4 and put it um, to canvas or, you know, to, to paint it out. would I think that would be an amazing... Um, thing to do, and it and it still, even if we had a a painting of this scene, it still wouldn't do justice to what it will be like when we're actually there. John ten tells us Jesus is the door. Then Jesus said to them, "Most surely I say to you, I am the door of the sheep, and whoever came to me before me are thieves and robbers, but sheep did not hear them." I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to destroy. I have come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. So the door, who is the door? Jesus is that door. And we just have to knock. Revelation 3, 14 through 22. And the angel of the church of Laodicea write, These things say the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then because of you, because you are lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say I am rich, have become wealthy and have need of nothing. Do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich in white garments, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may be revealed, and anoint your eyes with the eye salve, that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. We just have to knock. And the thing is, He's talking to the church here. He's not talking to unbelievers at this point. He's talking to the church. But the church often reverts to the world's way and says, I can do this. 
and we leave God out of it. But we need God in it so much. We have to be where we allow God to work. I love this passage. He'll ref- you know, buy from me gold refined in fire that you may re- be rich, white garments that you may be clothed, and that the shame of your nakedness may, be, may not be revealed. And note your eyes with eyes have that you may see you know, the healing, the provision, the all that God can do for us. But we we stray, we we walk from it. We say I instead of you, Lord. In seventeen, he says that because you say I am rich, have become wealthy, and need of nothing. But we need to stay in that humble state, that that rightful position before God, of being humbled before Him, that we would not be spit out, but we would be embraced in God, that we would knock and He would come and dine with us. Because we are overcomers because He has overcome. You know, let us hear the word of the Lord. Hear what the Spirit says to the churches. That we would be reliant on Him in all that we do. That we are seeking His will, His Spirit. What does the Lord want us to do? How does the Lord want us to respond? How does the Lord um, want us to What path does he want us to be on? May we follow him in all that we do. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Because he is that door. He is the door of salvation. And so, in transition, Matthew 7, 13 and 14 is a great transition between the stairway to heaven and the highway to hell. Matthew 7:13 tells us, "Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to the destruction, and there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it." Um, Pilgrim's Progress is a great illustration of this. If you get a chance to read it, um, there, I know there's an animated movie of it, um, at least. There might probably other movies of it, too. But um, it's a great illustration of, of this concept of the, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. Because um, there's so many distractions in this world, isn't there? And so many ways that pull us and um, get us um, distracted, get our minds off of Christ. But we need to enter by that narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to the destruction. I mean, the highway to hell is broad because there's so many that are taking it. But the way that leads to life is narrow and not many find it. 
but we need to be the ones reaching out to um, to show them the exit ramp <laughs> to the narrow way to to the road that leads to heaven to that narrow gate um, when I travel I probably when I travel on highways especially long distance um, I probably go a little too fast sometimes um, but you're you know what are highways for highways are for um, to get distance at a faster rate um, they're generally at least two lanes going the way that you're going um, sometimes I remember growing up and I was just amazed at this because I grew up in a you know Buffalo as Melissa called it when she first saw it a baby city um, and you know the strong it takes even with traffic probably takes like 20 minutes or so to get from one side of Buffalo to the other side of Buffalo um, I mean maybe I mean, it can be longer than that but it it doesn't really take that long um, not when you can sit in Chicago traffic for an hour or two <laughs> in a traffic jam but I um, my brother when I was young, moved, he's 14 years older than me, so he graduated from college, moved to Massachusetts. And so we went to visit him, and we went into Boston. It was like, I don't know, I might be exaggerating, but it was at least seven to ten lanes. I mean, it was, there's like seven, at least seven. I, I kind of remember ten lanes, like going into Boston. It was just crazy. Um, just how many, this highway, just how many lanes it was, and it was crowded, and I remember particularly one um, cab driver going all the way from the right to the left <laughs> and just like keep weaving in and out. Um, and it was like, I mean, he had to force his way in there. Anyways, um, but that gives us that picture. I mean, you see the slide, and um, I picked picked a picture of a highway that's crowded and it's it should grieve us um, that it is this way we should be grieving in the spirit um, that that this is reality that people are choosing that highway instead of the way of life the narrow way. And when you're on that highway, oftentimes you come up to this construction or just um, volume of traffic and you get, you know, you get stopped up. Um, you know, you're, you're going 70 and you're down to zero at some points. Um, and so I think it's kind of like those people who speed up only get stopped by a red light. Um, and then there you are right behind them <laughs> after they just blew by you. Um, but people... Um, 
You know, it's almost in life, people are rushing to get there. Um, and they're, you know, that saying, which is just a terrible saying, of at least all my friends will be there. Um, and I'm talking about hell. You know, that, you know, I, I've, I've heard that before from somebody who I was trying to witness to. And it, 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 like, it breaks your heart. Um, and it should break our hearts. You know, why is the highway to hell? Why, why is the gate and broad is the destruction? You know, why? Why is it like that? Proverbs 27.20 gives us a glimpse of that. And it says, hell and destruction are never full. People are never satisfied. (laughs) So the eyes of men are never satisfied is the second half of that verse. So Proverbs 27.20, hell and destruction are never full, so the eyes of man are never satisfied. You know, that's, that's why. Because they're seeking their own self instead of seeking the Lord. You know, when we get our eyes off of ourselves and we get them on the Lord and we get them on others, you know, we li- we're living that changed life. But if we're, if it's all about us, if it's all about our pleasure, what we want, then we're never satisfied. But the Lord is all we need. The Lord is that satisfaction. He has all. He is all, and He has all for us. Galatians five sixteen through twenty six tells us, "I say then, walk in the Spirit." And you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. You know, that's the key, is to walk in the spirit, to not be in that fleshly desires. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. But this is the work of the flesh. Now the works of the flesh are evident which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfishness, ambi- selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in the time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But in contrast, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be conceited provoking one another, envying one another. So this is a great passage of Scripture to have that contrast between walking in the Spirit, walking in the flesh. And that battle, I mean, it is a battle, even 
as a believer in Jesus Christ. When we come to Christ, well, let's start over. When we are unbelieving, our flesh is uppermost, soul in the middle, and our spirit is um, buried. When we come to Christ, it flips, and our spirit is uppermost, and our flesh is buried. But we have to beat that flesh down sometimes, don't we? (laughs) To keep it down. That we would walk in the Spirit. That our Spirit would be in full communion with God's Spirit. That we um, beat that flesh down. That we would stay walking in the Spirit. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Um, Crucifying the the passions and desires of our flesh. That's why Christ came. That we would be saved, that we would be saved from ourself and all the corruption. But we overcome by the blood of the Christ, blood of Christ. But this Christ is, a, is that stumbling block for those who are unbelieving. 1 Corinthians 15, 50 tells us, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed for this corruptible must be put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality so when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality then shall we be brought to pass the saying that is written death is swallowed up in victory O death where is your sting O Hades where is your victory the sting of death is sin And the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Do you desire that day? to be changed in the twinkling of an eye, that we who are alive, um, there's a guy who, just about every time I meet up with him, he, he says, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. Are you ready? Are you ready for that change? Are you a believer in Jesus Christ that when that moment comes, you'll be ready to go? That you are no longer on the highway to hell, but you are on that stairway to heaven. You are on that path to the narrow gate. You see heaven opened up. You see God in his glory ready to welcome you. What awesome verse 
Thus is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is the sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, but the victory is in the Lord. So what is the end? You know, on many highways, specifically I'm thinking of uh, Highway 12 coming out of um, Wisconsin. It um, stays 12, but the highway part of it ends that um, it, there's a sign that says, but I think it does say highway ending. Um, so what is the end of the highway of hell? Revelation chapter 20 verses 13 through 14 tells us, the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast off in the lake of fire. This is the second death. That's the end for hell. That's the end for hell, the the second death, the lake of fire. But it's not just the place, unfortunately. It's all those who are there, all those souls also. This is the second death, eternal separation from God. We all may pass from this life. This physical body may give out. We may take our last breath here on this earth. But it is the choice of us whether, where we end up, where is your destination? Is it heaven? Is it hell? Is it through the blood of Jesus Christ and salvation unto heaven? Or is it the rejection of Christ and the highway to hell and the second death cast into the lake of fire? It is your choice. But the Lord loves you so much that he sent his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life John 3.16 that you would live and live life in Christ for the victory is truly in Christ and I'll wrap up with this that there is no sting that there is no victory from Hades, but in Christ alone. 1 Corinthians 15, 57 again. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The victory is in Christ. It is our personal choice to go where our destination is, as I said. But the Lord went to that cross for all. All who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. He went for all. But he's not going to force us to live and be with him forever, to, to live a resurrected, changed, and victorious life. Who wouldn't want that? But people choose their own path, their own pleasure, their own self-centeredness, They think there are many ways that in the end they'll be fine. 
But there is one way, and his name is Jesus, and he has the victory. As Philip comes, let's go to prayer. Father God, we thank you so much that there is victory, that there is a way. We are lost without you. May your everything, your love, your mercy, your grace just flow through us. Holy Spirit, come and fill us. Fill us overflowing that we would live and walk in and through you, that our every breath would be directed by you, Lord. Lord, help us to uh, bring people along into the light, Lord, that you would use us to minister to others, that you would direct our path, that people would make those decisions, Lord, work in the unbeliever's life, that they would get off the highway to hell and come to you, surrendered for eternity. Lord, let us go into this last song of worship and just praise you, glorify your name, and pray for those who need you in this time. We lift up the name above all names, our victorious Lord Jesus. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'll be down front if anyone um, would like prayer. Um, feel free to come forward. The prayer branches are open. Um, let us just seek the Lord in all things. <laughs>